0: Hey, everybody. It's your boy, Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the Cinema Draft Game. And it just occurred to me, those of you who watch the YouTube video can see it is 1.28 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. August 29th, it is Monday evening for me, but Tuesday morning for most everybody else. Coming at you with your weekend preview, or your weekend review. Review some call sheets <clears throat> from the past weekend. Check out the box office action and preview what we've got coming up on tap next weekend. Also, uh, and also, I just want to, I mean, I, I'm feeling kind of sad. A little blue. I mean, Game of Thrones is over. It's not going to come back probably for a year and a half, knowing those guys. Uh, you know, went out with, went out with a bang literally John and Danny. <laughs> we'll actually probably, probably get into that in the hour long, uh, which I'll be recording later on tonight. Uh, but also uh, I discovered, I was on the late train about this one. I'd heard rumors and rumblings about this. For this, I have to thank our our guest uh, from earlier in this week, uh, Julian Smith, AKA the official science guy of the pod. Uh, we'll be reviewing his call sheet in a moment, but he, I think he's wanted to turn me on to the expanse My God, this show is incredible. So much fun. Oh my God, I enjoyed it so much. It's so good. Uh, Based on a a set of books, I believe. Um, Had a eight episode, was it? No, a 10 episode first season. uh, A 13 episode second season. Coming back for a 13 episode third season. I can't wait. It was motherfucking lit. Oh my God, so good so good it's really really good I really enjoyed it um I mean I just I mean I think I blew through that through all 23 episodes in like two and a half days whatever I did I, I mean I've got no life I'm officially team hashtag team no wife no life uh I just work on cinema draft and I did laundry on on Saturday and then just I just ate these episodes up it is so it is really good it is so good um, I mean, I mean, it's just—it's a futuristic version. Well, it's the future, so first of all, sci-fi. People like to call it Game of Thrones in space, and it's not—that's—that's that's pretty. That's a pretty uh, accurate, you know, description. I—I I don't, I can't, I can't dispute that. I mean, the sets are really cool. Looks like they—they looks like they looks like put a lot of time and money into building this future. And even more importantly, to some people like your Neil deGrasse Tyson's, they got the science right. From what I heard, you know, they got the science right, which is something that a lot of these, you know, science fiction shows just kind of play fast and loose with. But you got like, you know, like you know, real like a- astronauts and astronomers, you know, on board. It's like consultants. Uh, Frankie Adams, who comes on season two as Bobby Draper. I mean, first of all, she's hot. Second of all, she's tall. Third of all, she's like from New Zealand, so her New Zealand accent is like really strong. But it's the future, so it doesn't really matter. She, you know, what it's about. So basically, to give you a quick rundown. It's basically about two hundred years in the future. We've colonized Mars, we've colonized the Moon, and we've colonized like the asteroid belt. And you've got these three distinct uh, uh, personality uh, types of people: the Earthers, you know, people from Earth the Martians, people who were, who live and were born and live on Mars, mostly. And then the belters who are like, kind of like your, uh, uh, Appalachians kind of percent much Appalachians, but basically your working class you know uh, M- Mars and the earth are both really developed earth we've totally trashed our resources so um, but we're dealing with it um, you know, the UN the United Nations which basically controls the earth and the moon you know, are based off of you know are based out of New York you've got uh, belter she's a belter she uh, you know she grew up out there on the asteroid belt you know they basically are like miners like a mining culture they mine resources for, for the earthers and the Mars and Earth and Mars are about to go to war. This, you know, not like this isn't like, you know, North Korea. Well, actually, you know, I would it is it's I would say North Korea United States. It's more, I mean, you know, I mean, as far as size goes, they make it sound like it is, you know, similar to North Korea United States versus, you know, whereas the Earthers, you know, Earth is like, you know, big, you a lot of resources, whatever, you know, the size of our army is, you know, dwarfed that of Mars, but Mars is like a militarized culture where they really, you know, put in the time and the work to, to just focus on, on defending themselves and terraforming Mars so that you can live on it like Earth. And, and just all these like factions going at each other, the Belters resent you know, the Martians and, and the Earthers, they, they basically use them for the resources. They basically are mining water out of, like, the, you know, these asteroid belts out there and, uh, between, I guess, Mars and Jupiter, maybe? Saturn's. I, I, I get them confused, you know. Uh, but it's just, it's really involved. A lot of, like, arcs at play. A lot of politics. That's why they, they call it, like, you know, Game of Thrones in space. A lot of politics involved. And also, like, Game of Thrones, they don't care who gets got um, when, you know, I mean, major characters, you know, lose their head literally, you know, episodes in. you, you I mean, they kind of get rid of, like, you know, people who serve their purpose. Like, major characters just get got, like, Ned Stark, Rob Stark style. So just, you know, I mean, I would say don't get too attached to anyone, but it, it's really, really, really sophisticated storytelling, and it just happens to take place 200 years in the future. And all this stuff feels real. Like, it feels lived in. It feels like all these, you know, these warring factions that have been at play forever. You just, it, it feels lived in. It feels like 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 a future that makes sense. Kind of like how you first felt like when you saw Star Wars. Like, yeah, you're kind of blown away with like, you know, the, the set design and the creatures and stuff like that. But it felt like a lived in, you know, galaxy long time ago, far, far away. Same here. It's 200 years in the future. Everything feels real-ish. The science feels cool and real. And I just really dug it. I, I actually misclicked it. Uh, I was actually uh, on Amazon Prime trying to go to another show instead. I misclicked it, you know, by accident on this one. I'm like, yeah, all right, we'll see what, let's we'll see about this Game of Thrones into space. But it really is good. It's really, really good. I enjoyed it. I am now like, I don't know what, I don't know what this, these people are called, expansers. I don't know. Uh, and, and I I love me some Frankie Adams, you know, the 23-year-old star from New Zealand who plays uh, a Martian um uh, she plays like a, a Martian uh, gunnery sergeant, and she's just like, and she basically comes from like a war family, so she's super serious like this all the time, and the stakes are incredibly high for her, and she gets involved in some stuff that, you know, it's just, it's just really interesting seeing her it's thrown into this mix, and and I loved having like those, like, because you basically know how in Game of Thrones on Sunday, you know, for the first time in like seven seasons, we see all of our main characters in one place at one time. Cersei, John, Daenerys, you know, Tyrion, all these, you know, Jamie, all these people, you know, that we've grown to love in from all these different walks of life, different, you know, kingdoms, whatever. In one place, one time. I love how they're kind of setting this up as well on these parallel tracks of like, you know, people on Earth doing Earth things, people on Mars doing Mars things, people in Belt doing Belt things. And then, and our hero James Holden, you know, who kind of, you know, crosses all of these different cultures, uh, is it's really, really compelling stuff. I enjoyed it, I highly recommend it. 23 episodes, it will go by in the Yeah, there goes Cuddy, Cuddy from the gut, your boy, Chad L. Coleman from uh, The Wire. And I guess also, I get. I guess he had like a long still in The Walking Dead, too. He plays an integral role to Fred Johnson, like a, a terrorist who's trying to form, he's uh, just out to represent the interests of, of the belt. He's kind of regarded as like a terrorist. He used to be an Earther and eventually switched sides um, and kind of became like a working man's hero for the Belters out there in the belt, you know, the asteroid belt. It's just really, really well done. And, and it's a future. this is what I really love about The Expanse. It's a multicultural future, which is going to happen. A matter of fact, I think, I think I read somewhere, what was it like, uh, America will be majority-minority by with it, 2040, 2050, something like that so get used to seeing a lot of this a lot of, you know, a lot of eth- ethnically ambiguous you know, uh, people because we're gonna, you know, fuck our way into a, into a minority, majority-minority culture and just, and I love seeing black people in space doing so, we're not the first ones to die we're not, you know, we're on the sidelines I love, oh, oh and the goat here she is, she is the goat Shore Agdushala like, I always mess up her name, last name, but Shorey is putting in work. She, first of all, she's got, she's she's got that voice. It sounds like she, you know, either had, you know. Uh, broken glass for breakfast, or smokes three and a half packs a day. But she's got this voice. It kind you know she's Iranian. I might I think she's like Iranian. Like I mean I'm, I'm not sure she's like Iranian American. She's Iranian and has this voice. And you see her in a lot of different stuff. And she talks like this. And it's kind of intimidating because you know her English her diction is perfect, but a, a heavy Iranian accent. And she just cuts through these dudes like nothing. Like she she's in the middle of this one interrogation. This is actually the scene from where she's interrogated. Getting someone and 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 her her antagonist her opponent is like are we done here you know, where are we going with this line of questions she's like it's gonna go anywhere the fuck i wanted to I'm like whoa and she has a gravitas to her voice i love her i've always loved her as an actress but damn this i mean this is a this is a really good role for her. i saw in an interview say that she's been acting for 35 years and she's never seen anything like this as far as like a role for her she plays the the undersecretary at the UN, so basically, kind of like you know uh, a vice, like almost like a vice president with teeth, you know. And she's this really, really, really compelling actor, uh, and her character has got a lot to do as well. And I just love seeing this multicultural future that. It, I mean, the future is now, but I just love seeing this multicultural future where you know, <clears throat> where people, where it's not just you know one vision of it. its a multicultural version where everyone gets to some say everyone gets to play. I love it. I mean, yeah, and it's just it just feels real to me. All this stuff felt really real to me. Woo. Okay. All right. So I'm I'm gonna stop because I could probably go on about this stuff for hours. The Expanse. Check it out. It's only two seasons in, so not for, not far up to catch. Not, not too far to catch up. All right. So we're going to go on to our, some call sheets, damn it, because I just was on one. All right. So here we go. The, uh, it was a lackluster, to say the least, weekend at the box office. It was actually downright terrible. I did warn you guys and we were going to see some record low scores in the cinema draft game. So mm-hmm. let's get to it. Winning for the first time, winning his first feature presentation. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was a guest appearance, you know, luck or what on the podcast. But the official science guy, and I think the dude who put me onto the Expanse, official science guy of the pod, Julian Smith, A.K.A. Drew.Zod, which is a shout out to, <laughs> to General Zod's full name from uh, Superman Two. Let's take a look at this call sheet. How How did he pull this off? I'm still, I I mean, I don't even lie to you. I'm still kind of in shock. How do you do this? Because I didn't, I mean, first of all, it's a star-studded call sheet. It's an all-star call sheet, all headliners. Number two, he had, now, usually we say pick a strategy and lean into it. But this one, because it was such a flat box office weekend where nothing really was jumping out at you, he decided he was going to spread, diversify the risk, spread the wealth, and he decided he wanted a, p- a little piece of everything. So he's got a headliner stack from Hitman's Bodyguard. In most cases, we saw you know another high-performing call sheet. we saw a three-pack of Hitman's Bodyguard. But he wanted the headliner stack. We see Annabelle Creation headliner stack. We see Dunkirk headliner stack. We see Birth of a Dragon headliner stack. You, see like a theme going here it, it, this is almost like the Noah's Ark of call sheets you know everything's lining up two by two um, Logan lucky alone headliner Terminator 2 alone headliner and you know what's really smart about this strategy why it really worked is that he's not overexposed now what I mean by that he's not overexposed to anything that is if one of these movies doesn't work or doesn't perform like say a Logan lucky it's just it's just one actor he's not it, it doesn't cost him anything, really. I mean, we saw some really audacious strategies going to the weekend. Some I really championed, <coughs> Ring Balls. Uh, and I was pulling for your Ring Balls, but that's a perfect example of he just got overexposed on a weekend where it looks like we didn't really need to be. Like, you didn't need to have a high variant strategy to win this weekend because nothing was going to perform highly. So, this is a very play it safe strategy. Just get, you know, a pair of everything, a headliner stack of everything. Um, you know, Logan Lucky, you know, you would think was a bit of a misfire, but didn't cost him. Actually, it propelled him to win because it was cheap and it was safe. So the moral for this past weekend was this was a weekend for safety. And and occasionally, you know, the safe play wins. Well done, Drew Dotzad. Very excited to see my guest of honor in the hour-long last week ascend to the top. Enjoy that 4625, my brother. All right, number two was the God of Cheese, and he also ends up with our call sheet of the week. Now, this isn't the call sheet of the week. We'll get to that in a moment. But he left eleven hundred on the table, and he also he now he had a three pack of Hitman's Bodyguard headliner stack from Annabelle Creation headliner stack from All Saints, which, considering its genre of faith-based films, totally bombed. This movie, what did it do? This this I mean, it really did not do what we thought it was going to do. It did, let's get to the right weekend, here we go. It only did about uh, 7.68 million. It's terrible, 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 terrible. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, that's Annabelle Creation, sorry. Uh, All Saints only did 1.5 million on 846 screens, which is not setting the world on fire in limited release. And remember limited release, you get one point per 500,000, per half million per actor, so this really didn't get us what we thought it would do. Spacely with the headliner bonus, 4.34 points. (coughs) And here's one that kind of cost a lot of us, and this is what I mean by not being overexposed. A gentleman, Sundar Sushila Risky. I mean, anyone who had this on their call sheet did not end up winning, only because it underperformed. I thought it was going to be on 135 screens. I thought it was a safe bet. I don't know what's going on with the Indian films lately in America. I, I'm, I mean, where's our you know what was that movie that came out of nowhere? I mean, we're we're always looking for a repeat of that one movie that came out of nowhere for like two million, three million its opening weekend. This definitely was not it. Birth of a Dragon headliner stacked. That's fine. I mean, so this this is a very solid call. She's just you know, he cost himself. A little bit with a gentleman, but really, I mean, all and all saints. And who I mean, we couldn't have called that one. You know, I mean, there are a lot so many times we see these limited release <clears throat> faith-based films that do like you know, seven, eight, nine million, especially on a weekend without a lot of competition like this. And it just, you just shit the bed. All saints. But otherwise, very well done. Call sheet, let's take a look at his call sheet of the week. This is oh, this is actually last week's call sheet of the week. Let's go to there we go. Let's go to our call sheet of the week. And that would be the God of Cheese's background talent. See, so this is why it does pay to just, you know, experiment, play around with different constructions. Cause he actually got his call sheet of the week in our cheapest contest, the ten dollar background talent. Now, in this one, he actually still he still led with a three-pack hitman's bodyguard, but in this case, he Reduces exposure to all saints. He has almost a star-studded call sheet. You know, nine, nine uh nine headliners and only one non-headliner. Annabelle Creation headliner stack. Termin- Terminator 2 Judgment Day headliner stack. That's where he picked up some extra points. Because that performed, you know, about as well as I thought it would. About 582,000 in limited release. Oh no, sorry, in platform release. And at one point per hundred thousand in platform release, that proved to be the you know, that got him a good seven points with the headliner bonus. <clears throat> uh, what else? Oh, the Birth of the Dragon headliner stack, and then yes. And, and so reducing his exposure to all Saints uh, and picking up the extra points from Terminator 2, Judgment Day, you know, was crucial. So, and it was, it was going to be a balancing act. Anyone who had too much Terminator 2 was going to find themselves overexposed because you're only getting seven points, a little less than eight points out of your headliners and about five and change out of your non headliners. So if you had too many, the, the the real value was in the headliners for Terminator 2 judgment day. And that's where that's where the God of cheese excelled. He got the he found what the value was. He he got it uh, he got it out of the headliners. 93.14 points our highest scoring call sheet on the site this week. Congratulations. Enjoy that extra twenty five dollars for the bonus. Okay. In a close third gamble 24x7. 86.80 points, and on this one he had the three pack of Hitman's Bodyguard, headliner stack, Annabelle Creation, headliner stack of Birth of, Na- Birth of a Nation, sorry, Ooh, of Birth of the Dragon, headliner stack from All Saints, and his only misfire a little bit was The Only Living Boy in New York, which underperformed, and only got us what The Only well, Living Boy in New York, only got us 2.52 points for headliner on 180,000 in box office. Uh okay, moving on. Next one is Matt first time long time, fourth place. I think he actually won did, I think Matt won a contest outright. So yeah, he won the best boys. First win. Congratulations. 88.58 points in that one. And this one, 86.52. Let's see what Matt was thinking. And and really proud of Matt, really excited for Matt. He's been with us, you know, almost from the first contest. Really love seeing, you know, the growth of our players. Uh, and so in this one, he had the headliner stack of Annabelle Creation, headliner stack of Hitman's Bodyguard. this actually, you know, this is It goes without saying. He had an all-star call sheet. All 10 actors were headliners. Uh, Headliner stack from Dunkirk. Uh, Schwarzenegger from Terminator 2, Judgment Day. All Saints. And a headliner for uh, Elle Fanning from Leap. Now, now I I will say this. I'm going to go on record with this only because I noticed this after hand scoring was done. Once they adjusted... Uh, it seemed like Box Outles Mojo came in. I mean, well, they all adjust theirs after I'd scored them out. But it looks like it looks like after scoring was completed, <clears throat> the finals uh, the the final score for Leap was 4.73 million at the time of scoring. The information we had, we had it at 5.02 million. That score is going to stand. We can only go by what we have at the time that we do the scoring. So, so you actually got it. So you actually got a, a few, like like a a, a point and, and some change, extra on it. So enjoy those extra points, <laughs> uh, Matt. I didn't notice that afterwards. I was a little bummed, but I I can't go back and rescore every time they do they do an adjustment after we finished our hand scoring. So he, so leap. Uh, headliner from that, L. Fanning, 7.03 points. And Jeremy Renner in Wind River, 6.17 points for 86.52. Well played, Matt. Uh, Enjoy the extra point. And rounding up the top five, The Roan to be my, my guest on the hour long tonight. Henry G. The Roan. He had in three-pack of Hitman's Bodyguard. Headliner stack from Annabelle. Creation. Headliner stack from All Saints. Billy Magnuson, headlining Birth of the Dragon. Not the nation, the dragon. And then what let him down, like most of us, was a gentleman, Sundar Sushil-Risky. All three of them, gentlemen, let us down with only 2.66 points as a headliner. and this In this one, he had 9 out of 10 headliners, 82.04 points, good for... Fifth place. Let's go off the board real quick to review a call sheet. Uh, you know what? <laughs> we always look at you know. Let's let's take a look at. Well, we we know I haven't ring balls. Just real quick, ring balls went all in on a gentleman. Did not work out well. I was rooting for you, ring balls. He had a max stack of ring of gentlemen, which means he had eight actors from a gentleman up on there. Uh, and as you can see, it totally underperformed. Uh, and also rounding out his call sheet, he had John Corbett headlining All Saints and Samuel L. from the Hitman's Bodyguard, good for, quote-unquote, good for only 35.42 points. Not sure if that's a cinema draft record low, but it's pretty damn close. But we'll, we'll see you at the top next week. We know you're good for it. Um, oh, well, you know, we have a tie with the draft mom and Ray Kinsella. So let's take a look at Ray Kinsella's. A newer player, just outside of the money. Let's see what he had here. So, I, if I do believe last week he didn't have enough headliners. This week, a market improvement only left 400 remaining, so he's almost there. He had a three-pack of Hitman's Bodyguard, Bell Creation headliner stack. So that's in line with conventional thinking with the top players. Also, he what might have cost him some points was dunkirk headliner kind of pricey uh crown heights just did the minimum um i mean well actually it did it did chart but it didn't chart very much i think it only made like 40 grand so so that was a bit of a misfire although i like the ambition atomic blonde just doesn't have much in the tank anymore especially if you don't have a headliner so 1.72 points there it's 5500 that he probably could have spent i mean he probably could have gotten even more out of like a headliner from a gentleman. And we know that bombs that could have gotten him an extra point or so, which might've got him in the money. And last castle, eh, I mean, he could have done worse, but <clears throat> didn't do what he hoped it would do. Otherwise very close to making money. Got into a v- virtual tie with my mother, the draft mom, Claudette Jackson. And yeah, just a few points out of uh, ninth place, which would have gotten him in the money. All right, let's take a look at some of the new. Oh, that's not it. Let's take a look at some of the new. Drag this over here. Of movies in this week. Uh, we only have four new entrants because there's really nothing to fight for this week. Now, I mean, they are they're really are throwing in the towel, and even more abnormally than most for studio executives. Get Big, never heard of it. It's on seven screens in AMC. Might want to avoid close encounters with of the third kind. They're re-releasing it on 700 screens, y'all. So, yeah, it's gonna be that kind of weekend. Tulip Fever, oft delayed. I'm I'm curious about this. I'm not sure if I would pay money to see it in the theater this weekend, but if it comes out on like, Amazon or something, you know, I'll, I'll definitely watch it. I'm 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 curious only because Tulip Fever kind of refers to tulip mania. For those of you who watched wall street money never sleeps like that sequel with shia labeouf and uh and michael douglas basically you know they they allude to the whole tulip mania basically it's what a lot of smart guy finance Financial types like they're tried out anytime they say, Oh, Bitcoin's a bubble, or or, or whenever there's something they don't really understand, they call it kind of tulip mania. Because I guess back in like 1600, 1700, um, Holland, uh, tulips for some reason just really took off in price. And and anytime there's a bubble, you know, I mean, it had no underlying financial uh, fundamentals basically. So that's why. Uh, when they call it oh it's just like tulip mania like bitcoin or whatever and trust me bitcoin's not a bubble i've been in it since twenty thirteen that's a different story blacksandbitcoin.com that's my site uh, anyways uh, anytime there's there's some sort of commodity that they don't understand they, they liken it to tulips so I'm very intrigued to see how tulip fever plays into all of this and I know it's been maybe it's been released overseas but it hasn't been it's been delayed a while over here which is never a good look for some of these movies, you know, really good cast. I mean, so I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah, yeah. So an artist falls for a young married woman while he's commissioned to paint her portrait during the tulip mania of 17th century Amsterdam. So yeah, that's what we're getting this weekend. <laughs> tulip mania. Okay, and then finally, Haslo Como Hombre. This is, this is an this is a Mexican film. So. Can we trust the 3F on 370 screens? I like I like the amount of screens it's on. Um, uh, I mean, I know we're scared to love again these, these foreign-based films, these foreign-focused films, but at some point we're going to have to do it. So Haslo Como Ombre might be worth taking a look at. All right, and so <clears throat> we'll go into it a little bit more in depth on the shot list, which I'll be recording later on tonight or Tuesday night, which will be up for consumption Wednesday morning. Thanks everybody for listening. You guys know what to do. CinemaDraft.co. That is CinemaDraft.co. Follow all of our social media. Like us. Friend us. Visit us. Subscribe. Like. Comment. Rate. Help people discover this wonderful game. Spread the word. All right, and between now and between now and the next time, y'all have to do, why don't you go see a movie or something?